Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. We see you, we love you, we appreciate you. Hopefully you're encouraged by seeing little kids and big kids talk about how much they love their moms and hopefully you're having an amazing day as we celebrate a really fun day, Mother's Day. Now, I remember when I was a kid loving Mother's Day. We had a, a big extended family, and so we all up in the Hayward Hills, my mom and her 11 brothers and sisters would bring all their kids over to my grandma's house, and we'd just have a massive party. We'd play wiffle ball in the yard, we'd eat great food, we'd run around with our cousins. We loved it. It was so fun, and I remember having these really fond memories of what Mother's Day was like as a kid. Now, as I think back today, though, I start feeling a little bit guilty because I realize that my memories of Mother's Day have nothing to do with my mom, and I have no idea what my mom was doing on Mother's Day. Like, was she having fun talking with her brothers and sisters? Was she the one in the kitchen making all the food? Did she have to buy her own gifts? I have no idea. And so I, I'm going to ask you the question today that I should have asked my mom when I was a kid. How are you doing today? How is Mother's Day for you? If you're a mom out there, do you feel appreciated today? You don't have to answer it, right, if your kids are sitting right next to you, but I, I hope you do. But at the same time, I want to be a little bit realistic today that sometimes Mother's Day, it, it's not a fun day. It's a day that starts kind of fun. There's breakfast in bed or there's joy from our kids or these little gifts and cute cards and, and sentiments. But for some reason on a day like today, dread and comparison start to seep in sometimes. You know, even a, a beautiful video like we saw a few minutes ago is one that brings encouragement, but then, I don't know about you, but sometimes in our minds, something starts spinning where we think, well, how come my kids aren't in that video? Were they not asked? Does no one know about my kids? Or did they say no? Did, did they have nothing nice to, for, to say about me? And then we start comparing to the kids who are in the video. How come those kids are so well-dressed? How come they look clean? Are they sheltering a place different than my kids? And we start feeling guilty and we start comparing ourselves. And there's something about human nature that on, on a day like this that is supposed to make us feel honored, it's really easy to start feeling discouraged. You know, it's hard to find joy in life when life does not look like the way you imagined it to look. And this is a year where life does not look the way that we imagined it, does it? It was hard not to, not to have a hard time on Mother's Day when we compare today with last year's Mother's Day, when you could see your grandkids or see your grandparents or see your extended family. No one's out in the yard with a ton of neighbors today or family today. We're hunkered down, sheltered in place, and we compare and the joy starts to disappear. It's hard not to, not to have a little bit of grief today when you start comparing your life with the lives of people around you. You see people in the video or you think about people you see on social media and a lot of times we start comparing our lives with other people's lives or we compare our lives with how we want our lives to look and when everyone's saying, you're an awesome mom, all that you can think is, no, I'm not. You don't know the real me. You don't know what I want my life to look like. You don't know how much I'm failing here. You don't know how much discouragement I face. And it almost is heaping insults on you to get some of these gifts sometimes because you feel like such a phony because nothing in you feels like an amazing mother, wife, or woman. Now, if that's you today, I hope that the text of scripture that we walk into can give you encouragement because I believe that the text we look at is designed just for that. And if you're someone out there that Mother's Day is hard for you because you're, you lost your mom or, or you're not a mother and you desire to be a mom or you're not married and everyone's pressuring you to get married or any one of those number of things, I, I am praying that today as we gather as a church and look at the scriptures together, we can find life and freedom and joy in knowing 
that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that all of us have moms that God placed into our lives to grow us into whoever we've become, and that there's freedom in learning how to trust God and walk forward with him, even on a day that sometimes makes us feel not special when it's designed to make us feel special. And so I want to look at a text of scripture today that's going to bring dread into some of your lives when I say what it is right now. It's Proverbs 31. And the reason that I think it might bring dread into some of your lives is for so long, Proverbs 31 has been taught to you or you've read it as this checklist of everything you need to do to be successful as a mom or everything you need to do to be godly as a woman. And every time you read it, it's like reading some fashion magazine where you see all of these different women who you aren't like, who you don't think you match up to, and you compare yourself to this Proverbs 31 woman. And I want to tell you today that we're going to unlock some of the things in this passage that maybe you've never seen before. And my prayer and my hope and my confidence is that you will find life and joy as we look at a text of scripture that was designed to give you life and joy and freedom. So let me pray for us today, and then we're going to dive into the text of Proverbs 31. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for moms. Thank you for the way that you've fearfully and wonderfully knit us together in the wombs of our mothers, that you've partnered with our moms to raise us into who we are. I pray for anyone who, who doesn't have a mother because they've passed away or they've lost relationships, you would comfort them today. For the moms out there who are feeling discouraged, I pray that you would come alongside them and be close to them today. We know there are so many different stories in so many different households in a season where we are all separated, and we pray that your spirit would rest on all of us as we gather around the truth of the word today, and we celebrate what you can do in our lives as we submit ourselves to you. I pray that this text be one that brings joy and freedom in the lives of everyone listening, men and women, moms and spouses and kids and grandparents and everyone in between, and that you would be with us as we gather around your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to pull up Proverbs 31. We're not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to bounce through it real quick. But kind of I want to start with verse 10 and show us kind of the synopsis of why Proverbs 31 so often is a really hard text for us to read. This is how Solomon starts out Proverbs 31, verse 10. He says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. And from there, Solomon just starts to unpack anything and everything that relates to this amazing, godly woman. I want to be honest with you. As I read the text of Proverbs 31, it's actually kind of funny because we see that this woman is like this superhero among women. I'll paraphrase a few things for you if you've never read the chapter before. Solomon tells us that this woman gets up early in the morning, goes down to the market, picks out raw materials, weaves them into cloths, makes them into clothes, outfits all of her children, then goes back and puts scarves on all the merchants to say, thanks so much. This is the Proverbs 31 woman. Right, this is a woman who is walking down the street and she sees a field and has this idea, I'm going to buy that field. So she drops the cash to purchase the field. She plants a vineyard, gives workers to that field, makes it amazing and profitable, takes the money and she donates it to charity because she doesn't need it. That's the Proverbs 31 woman. Or this is a woman who wakes up while it's still dark and makes food for everyone in her household, including her household staff. Right? She tells the chef, sleep in today. I'm going to make breakfast for you because she's that kind of woman, the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, this is a woman that her husband comes and says, 
you are the most amazing woman I've ever seen. Her kids wake up in the morning. They see the new clothes that she's made for them. She sees the hot breakfast she's made for them and all of her household servants. And the kids say, mom, you're amazing. We love you. That's the Proverbs 31 woman. There are even some verses in Proverbs 31 where it gets ridiculous. Right? It says when it snows outside, she's not worried because her kids are dressed in scarlet. I don't even know what that means. But the Proverbs 31 woman is the perfect example of womanhood in every way. Now I read this passage and it reminds me of all this composite of all these different women in society. It almost seems like this little house on the prairie woman who has a business degree, a Pinterest account, and unlimited resources. She's got it all. And we read this and for some reason we feel like, oh no, my life doesn't add up to this. I'm here to tell you, I don't think your life is supposed to add up to this. But at the same time, I want to call it how it is. I feel like in the real world, everything out there points us to the fact that we don't add up to some standard that we feel like we need to. Right? If you're a, a modern day woman in today's time, right? Not Solomon's time thousands of years ago, but today in the East Bay, living your life, you feel that pressure. Like there's this checklist of all of these things an amazing woman is supposed to embody. And all of the time you feel like that's not me. Right? An amazing woman is supposed to have amazing kids who love her, who devoted to her, who obey her, who are well behaved. They get straight A's without any effort, right? They're just the most amazing family. That's supposed to be the Proverbs 31 woman. Right? You're supposed to be the woman who stays home with your kids because that's what good women do. But at the same time, you're also simultaneously supposed to have a full-time job because that's what women do. And when you go to your job, you're supposed to pretend like you don't have any kids because you don't want to show like you're a mother. You just are supposed to be at work, right? Because an amazing mom is a great mom with no effort, an amazing coworker with no effort. And she's smart, but not too smart. She's beautiful, but not too beautiful. She has high-powered degrees, but she doesn't intimidate anyone. She makes a lot of money, but not too much money. She's beautiful. She works out all the time but she doesn't exert any effort. She eats a ton of food and never gains weight. She's perfect. That's the Proverbs 31 woman in real life. And I'm here to tell you that I think this passage is not only ridiculous, but I think that it's designed to be a ridiculous, unattainable picture of what a woman is supposed to be. And let me tell you three reasons why I believe this. Number one, the woman we see in Proverbs 31, she's not a real woman. Right, if you're taking notes, write that down. She's not a real woman. She's a figment of the imagination of the author of this proverb. When we see in the beginning of Proverbs 31 that Solomon, who's compiled all these proverbs, brings up this character, King Lemuel. And no one knows if he's a real person or a narrative device, but King Lemuel is a king, and his mom comes to him and says, let me give you some advice about what kind of woman you need to find, an amazing woman, a wife of noble character. And so this is a fictitious king, King Lemuel, with a fictitious mother, his mother, giving him advice about a fictitious woman that someday would embody every Everything that a person should want, right? It's a picture of a real woman, but it's not a real woman, right? There's no way you can go to some ancient gravestone and find the Proverbs 31 woman. She never existed. She's not a real woman. So let that begin to take the pressure off of you. Number two, the Proverbs 31 is not only not a real woman, but the Proverbs 31 woman is a rare woman, a rare woman. Right? That's how this proverb starts. Solomon says, a wife of noble character, 
Who can find? Like, it's impossible to find a woman of this caliber, according to the proverb. It says, she is worth far more than rubies. Now, the picture of this woman in Proverbs 31 is this picture of this rare human being that a king of a nation would be so lucky to find because there's no one in the whole nation, in the whole world, who embodies all of these different things. She's a rare woman. I I would guess if you looked at your life and said, okay, who are some women that I emulate, right, who have it all together? They're amazing Christian women. They're amazing in the workplace. They've got amazing kids. They've got a legacy. They've got everything I could ever desire. If I was just like that woman in every aspect, my life would be perfect. Who are those names? Right, there's a chance you can think of one or two women, but when you really drill down, you realize, okay, they're not that perfect. Right? In the history of the world, there's probably a couple of women that you can imagine who embody everything about the beautiful standard of womanhood we see in this passage. She's a rare woman. This phrase, the wife of noble character, a woman of noble character, this word noble, it's used 220-something times in, in the Old Testament, a lot of times. And normally it's talking about armies and warriors and strength and wealth and strong, valiant men and all those different things. This word, this word noble is related to a woman three times in the Old Testament. One of the women is not a real woman, Proverbs 31. One is the queen of Sheba. And one is a woman that an entire book of the Bible is named after, Ruth. In the entire Old Testament canon, there are three women that get the Proverbs 31 label, a wife of noble character. So we need to understand this is not a real human being. That we need to understand that this is a rare type of human being. And the last thing that I think is, is really important for us to understand as we read this passage in its context is that the Proverbs 31 woman is a royal woman, a royal woman. I said it before, this is a a person who is supposed to be a prospect to be the next queen of a nation, to enter into the royal family. This is a woman with unlimited resources. This is a woman who stands at the top of society. She's like the first lady. She's like the queen of England. She's like someone from Downton Abbey, right? This is someone who's got it all, who can walk down the street and decide to drop millions of dollars on a property who can just write a check and start a business and give the proceeds to charity. This is a royal woman. This is the Proverbs 31 woman. She is not supposed to be you. This is not supposed to be a checklist of what your life is supposed to look like. This is not the normal. This is not even the standard. Proverbs 31 is this picture of of perfection. And so the question can arise, well, then why is it in the Bible if it's unattainable, if it's a picture of perfection? And, and I would guess that the reason that Proverbs 31 in the, is in the Bible is the same reason that there's a royal family in England. That there's this picture of royalty, of beauty, the Queen of England, right? Princesses and princes, duchesses and dukes, this royalty that shows us a picture of what we feel like life should look like of hope for a nation to say, wow, there is beauty and riches and standards to show what manners look like, to show what perfection looks like, to show what ethics look like, to to show what it looks like when someone with perfect character steps into a context with unlimited resources. This is how life is meant to be lived. If you've ever studied the royal family or you've watched movies about princes and princesses, there's some kind of awe that comes over you as you watch those things. You start getting drawn into these fictitious lands or even these real lives of real-time royalty. And, and there's this thing that happens to us as we look at these people who live out life in this unattainable way that gives us hope. 
It gives us excitement. We're drawn into the story. We want to study more. It makes us inspired to live our lives a better life. But when you watch princess movies or when you watch the royal family, none of us watch that and think, oh, no, I don't add up. Right? It's meant to show us we don't add up. This is an unattainable goal of what a woman could look like with godly character and unlimited resources in the most powerful position in society. That's the Proverbs 31 woman. Now today, if you, don't, if you feel like you don't add up, you are not alone. But do not let Proverbs 31 be the reason you feel insufficient. That is not its goal. Right? Try to read Proverbs 31 as an inspiration of what godliness can do when resources are poured out towards it. What can happen with a noble character when women rise into great power and how beautiful things can happen in society through a woman like that. Be inspired by this woman. Do not be discouraged. Do not compare yourself. But look at this picture of perfection as a fictitious tale of what the elusive, perfect woman could look like. Look at it like a princess story, like a royal family story, like an unattainable goal. Now, I know that that's easier said than done. I know that a lot of times we look at our lives and we're like, okay, I'm not trying to be the queen of England, right? But my life is falling apart. A lot of times we, we wrestle with the experiences we have on this planet. We just look around our living room and think, okay, I wish I was doing a better job with the kids I do have. I wish I was a better Christian than I am right now. I, I wish I was a better wife. I wish I was a better mom. I wish I had kids. I wish I had more confidence. I wish I was better at work. I wish, I wish, I wish. There's something in us that does really desire to compare ourselves with everyone around us. And so the natural response to reading a passage like this is feeling like we don't add up. I know today's Mother's Day, and there's a chance today, is just a hard day for you. You've been in, in lockdown in your house for two months now, whatever it is, and it just feels like it's compiling. And now you're reminded on this day that you're not the mom you want to be. You're reminded you don't have the setup that you wish you had. You're reminded that you don't feel like your husband loves you the way that you always thought a man would. You're reminded that you don't have the things that you wish you would have had at this point. It's just a reminder, and you read a passage like this, and it's just another reminder that your life is not what you always thought it would be. And so you look at this woman in Proverbs 31 who is this unattainable picture of perfection. It just reminds you that on the spectrum, you feel like you're on the absolute other side. You've got nothing. If that's you today, I want to draw your attention to, to another woman in the scriptures who you might relate to a little bit more. You know, I mentioned that there are three women in the Old Testament who are described with this adjective, a noble woman, Proverbs 31 woman, the queen of Sheba, and the third person is a woman named Ruth. And I don't know if you've ever thought about Ruth as she relates to the Proverbs 31 story, but interestingly, in, in some ancient Hebrew traditions, they slid the book of Ruth in the Old Testament right after Proverbs to almost show that Ruth is the real-life embodiment of the Proverbs 31 woman. And so when you look at the study of, of the story of Ruth, and as we kind of unpack it a little bit in a couple minutes here, I, I want you to look at Ruth as the real-life example of what someone who has this noble, godly character, what they look like in real life. Now, Ruth's story is a story that's probably more like yours than the Proverbs 31 woman, or maybe it's one that's a little more desperate than yours. Ruth grew up in a foreign environment away from Israel in a pagan nation. She grew up not as a follower of God. Now, there, there was a man and his wife, his wife's name was Naomi, they moved from Israel because they were impoverished and there was a famine in Israel and they moved to Moab and that's where Ruth met her husband. 
Ruth met her husband, a woman named Orpah met his husband, and then Naomi and her husband lived in this extended family, and they tried to survive in the nation of Moab for a while, and then tragedy started to hit. Right? Uh, Naomi's husband passed away. Ruth's husband passed away. Orpah's husband passed away. So there's three women left kind of trying to fend for themselves in this faraway land. And Naomi, uh, the mom, realizes, you know what? I think it's time for me to go back to my roots, back to my heritage, back to Israel, the famines only, and see if I can over to see if I can make a life for myself. So Naomi says to Ruth, Ruth and to Orpah, she says, you know what? You women can go back to your families. You can go back to your nation. Let's cut ties here. I'm going to go back. Let's all start over. And Orpah says, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. But Ruth says, no, no, I'm going to go with you. So Ruth and Naomi head back from Moab to Israel to start over. They've got nothing, no husbands, no lifeline, no family, no support, no resources. And they show up in, in the nation of Israel and they're beggars in a, in a new foreign land. And then they find some fields where people are harvesting grain. And in the Old Testament, you're allowed, kind of like a panhandler, after people are done harvesting grain, you can sneak into the fields and go and pick up grain on your own. And so they started doing that. It's called gleaning. And so Ruth would start gleaning in this field and she'd go behind all of the harvesters and she'd pick up food off the floor and she'd bring it back to Naomi and they'd eat their meager meals together and they'd try to make ends meet. She'd serve her mother-in-law. She served by finding food and foraging for her family, and she had nothing. And eventually, Ruth's service to, in this field got noticed by some of the higher-ups, and they started saying, hey, you can come. You don't have to come and be like a panhandler and come at the end of the day. Just come with us. Come and serve with us. And so she started working alongside the harvesters, and she kept moving her way up along as time went on with her work ethic and with her character. And eventually she got to the point where Ruth entered into a relationship with a man who oversaw the field. There's this little love story that we see in Ruth chapter three, and Ruth comes into this man's uh, place named Boaz, and she comes and extends herself towards him and puts herself out there, and it's this very vulnerable and beautiful expression of love and of vulnerability, and she kind of puts herself at Boaz's feet, like, will you have me? I would love to be in relationship with you, and Boaz looks at Ruth, who has nothing, who has no family, no husband, no heritage, no money, nothing. She's impoverished. She's lost everything. And the phrase that Boaz says to Ruth in Proverbs, or in Ruth chapter 3, verse 11, is he says, Ruth, all the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. It's the same phrase. The phrase that was ascribed to the Proverbs 31 woman, the phrase that was ascribed to the Queen of Sheba uh, in the wisdom literature is ascribed to Ruth, a woman with absolutely nothing. And he sees that she has nothing, but what she does have is a noble character. She's a woman of valor. What I see as I look at the kind of the relationship between Proverbs 31 and Ruth chapter 3 is that becoming a woman, like we see in Proverbs 31, has nothing to do with what you have around you and everything to do with what exists inside of you. Right? Proverbs 31 is a proverb that extols character regardless of the context. And my challenge for you is that as you look at Proverbs 31, don't look at the Proverbs 31's context and compare it to your context. Look at the Proverbs 31 woman as an example of what happens when God gives unlimited resources to a woman with unbelievable character. But if you want something to write down this week and wrestle with as, as you struggle with comparison and, and self-image and all these things in this world today, write this down. Focus on your content 
and trust God with your context. Can you do that this week? Right? Even though the life that you have may not live up with what the life that you thought you would have, even though you don't have the resources you thought you'd have at this point, even though your kids aren't what you thought your kids would be, even though your relationship with your spouse or your lack of spouse is not what you thought it would be at this point, can you trust God with the content of your character and focus yourself on that and trust that God's gonna put you in whatever context he wants to put you in to glorify his name and do his work through your life. And the scriptures, as we look at them through the lens of this idea of content and context, is absolutely full with men and women who have humble means but are used greatly by God, regardless of the context in which he places them. You know, I was thinking this week about the woman in 1 Peter, where he says, Submit your, to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words when they see the behavior of their wives. There's this image that if you're in a place where your husband's not even a Christian, maybe he doesn't want to come to church with you and you're watching this alone today and you're sitting there thinking, this stinks on Mother's Day, I'm at church alone. Peter says, you can devote yourself in that context to having a godly character and you can have great fruit in your own home. Or 1 Corinthians 4 or 1 Corinthians 7 picks up on the same sentiment. The Apostle Paul is talking about marriage and singleness and all of these different things and says some of you are out there and you're married to someone who's not a believer. Sometimes non-believers leave believers. Sometimes they stay with believers. And then Paul says this. He says, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or maybe your character, your nobleness in the context of an environment that's a hard context will actually be used by God to transform the world around you. And the most expressed example of someone who had high godliness in a really hard context was Jesus himself. Now, we keep going back to Philippians chapter 2 over these last couple of weeks, and I think it's a really good passage for us to remember about Christ. Then in Philippians 2, Paul says that even though Jesus was God himself, he deserved the highest context. If anyone could be the Proverbs 31 man, it would be Jesus, unlimited everything, perfect in every way, absolutely noble character, noble regal background. Jesus said, you know what, I don't want to consider equality with God something to be grasped. And he kept his noble character, but he dropped his context and Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the plan of God even when it meant his own life would be given up. And Jesus was someone who had unbelievable noble character. He was a man of valor, just like the Proverbs 31 woman and the Ruth woman was a woman of valor. And yet Jesus chose a really humble context. Now the truth is that if you focus on your context, you will be constantly crippled with comparison. But if you focus on your content, I believe that you will find contentment in that. If you focus on your context, you will find yourself in a whirlwind of comparison. But if you focus on your content, you will find contentment wherever God places you. And the truth is God has placed you wherever he's placed you on purpose. You're not supposed to be better anything than you're supposed to be. You're supposed to devote yourself to the Lord, connect with him, devote your character, and let him do whatever he wants with your life. Right? I know that I'm speaking not just to women today. I'm speaking not just to moms today. You might be out there and you might be absolutely stressed out in this season because you're looking at your life and nothing makes sense and you are filled with despair, you are filled with hopelessness, and you feel like you have nothing to grab onto in a season like this. I want to tell you, if that is you, the same thing that is true to the women that we're talking about today, the moms we're talking about today, the th same thing we see in Proverbs 31 is true of you. God wants to connect with your heart and he will give you contentment in whatever context he's placed you. 
Or maybe the, way, the reason you feel this way is that you've never given your life to the Lord. And you're in a place where you're stressed out because you don't know what life means. You don't know where, which end is up. You're so confused and stressed out. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you because I am gentle and humble, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If you find yourself today in a place where you just need rest in your soul, Come to Jesus, wherever you are. If you're a Christian, not a Christian, you're a church person, not a church person, come to Jesus today. Give your burdens to him. Let him replace your comparison with contentment. Let him focus your life on growing in your character, not worrying about your surroundings. And let him give you the faith and ability to trust him with what's in your hands and not worry about what's going on with your life, but give it all to him. I want to pray for us as we close, just that we would have the faith to hand our lives over to the Lord in every way, and that he would give us beautiful contentment and beautiful fruitfulness as we commit ourselves to him. Let me pray for us as we close. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a day like this where we can celebrate and recognize the beauty and dignity and honor that motherhood deserves. And yet I pray for anyone today who's struggling that you would be near to them. You would help replace kind of their looking around and comparing their lives with what they thought they should look like with, with a contentment, a deep contentment that comes from trusting you, knowing you, and trusting that their life is in your hands. I pray that you would give all of us, men, women, kids alike, the ability to focus ourselves on the content of our character and trust that you're going to place us in whatever context so that we might thrive in that place. I pray for anyone who's far from you today, that they would come near. They would turn to you in this moment and release their lives to you, that you'd swap out their hearts of stone with a heart of flesh, and that you'd give them the ability, the faith, the grace to cast their anxieties, their discouragement, their comparing hearts, their chaos to you, that you'd give them peace and rest and fulfillment. And we know that you are gentle and beautiful, and we commit ourselves to you today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.